0: Kia ora and welcome to my daily podcast. I'm Bernard Hickey for the Kaka. It is Thursday, June the 1st. In my podcasts for paying subscribers, I look at housing affordability, climate change and poverty reduction here in Aotearoa. Today's news is around what's happening in our economy, which I perhaps cheekily call our housing market with bits tacked on. And it's becoming clear that the housing market is bottoming out after about 18 months of falling from a post-COVID peak. Down anywhere between 10 and 20%, depending on where you are in the country. Obviously, Auckland and Wellington have fallen the most, Wellington being the uh, biggest faller overall. We've heard reports this morning uh, from... Uh, firstly, CoreLogic, every month they come out with a, uh, a property value report, and Nick Goodall, who is the head of research at CoreLogic, um, points out, he thinks, that there are signs of the market bottoming out. Uh, he points to the, the recent action on valuations, but also what he's seeing from residential property investors who, uh, because of the interest deductibility changes, are moving away from existing homes to new homes. And uh, he points to some figures showing basically a doubling of the share going to rental property investors of new homes because they are exempt from the interest deductibility rules. We've also got some figures from realestate.co.nz, so it's one of the two largest real estate listings operations, uh, the other being Trade Me, and every month they report the number of new listings and the asking prices. And Vanessa Williams from realestate.co.nz also points out in May there was a clear bottoming out of asking prices. It also points to a tightness in the market because not many new listings are going on. In fact, new listings in May uh, fell again from a year ago and we're at a 16-year low, almost as low as the number of new listings that were going on in the middle of the lockdown of 2020. So a whole bunch of people are just holding on and not selling because they don't need to. Um, very, very few people are in any sort of mortgage stress, despite what you might hear on the front pages or on the talkback shows. That's because uh, most homeowners, except for a very, very few who bought in early to mid 2021, are sitting on enormous amounts of equity. About 45% of people with mortgages are ahead on their payments, according to the New Zealand Bankers Association. And um, they, there is plenty of equity there, and also plenty of income, because remember people who have owned homes for quite some time have had much less uh, housing stress in terms of having to pay for um, the, sh- the cost of their housing than renters, have had more reserves put aside, And uh, typically have higher incomes, so there's plenty of income to pay for the uh, interest costs on big mortgages, and the the main restraint at the moment is the limits on the amount of loan-to-value ratios that they're able to take out. So uh, for a lot of the homeowners who would normally be you know, doing the thing they normally do, which is you know, move on with their lives, sell a home, buy a home, sell one home, buy two homes, take some equity out of one home, buy another home, uh, they're holding on at the moment because no one wants to crystallize a loss at the bottom. And as with any market, everyone tries to pick the bottom uh, so that they can buy at the bottom and sell at the top or more importantly, not sell at the bottom. And so um, we're seeing very few new homes coming onto the market, and that's helping to end the, um, the fall in house prices. Now, this is important as we go into winter. Uh, typically, when house prices are falling, a lot of median voters aren't happy. And uh, as house prices bounce... Um, that raises the, the mood of um, the nation a bit. And we can see that in business confidence figures that came out yesterday from ANZ. Its monthly uh, business confidence survey is closely watched and shows another bounce in confidence, not just in uh, the wider economy, but also in confidence about businesses' own activity. And uh, that's actually a better measure of what actually goes on in the economy than views about the wider economy, which are often quite closely aligned with whoever's in power at the time. People's confidence about the wider economy and their own businesses are much more tightly aligned when there's a national government in and are not when there's a Labour government in. So uh, the confidence is improving, even though we're going into winter. And the housing market is bouncing. The question is, uh, how much might it uh, bounce if there's a change of government or if there's not a change of government? And remember, we're only four months away now from the beginning of voting. In fact, overseas voting starts on September the 27th. And voting, uh, advance in-person voting, starts on October the 2nd. So that's four months away now June the 1st. So um, we're we're getting into election season. From the middle of next month, uh, the parties will be able to start advertising and uh, this will be um, a closely watched sector. Now there's a couple of other things in today's email that I think it's worth uh, pointing to um, in terms of the uh, political landscape. I'm continually surprised that um, the Uh, National Party continues to struggle to target the median voter. If you are a centre-right or left party under MMP, you need to win the floating, swinging voters in the middle of the electoral spectrum. And in terms of demographics, they are typically living in standalone suburban homes on the fringes of... Uh, cities and towns, and uh, they typically are um, younger to middle-aged families, if you see what I mean. So um, young kids, kids going to school, potentially owning their own home, mum and dad or mum and mum or dad and dad uh, working to pay off a mortgage, and um, typically described as the squeezed middle. And that's um, who politicians like to talk about because they are the median voter who's most likely to win or lose you an election. And uh, you can describe them in various different ways. One way is to call them Tiatatu man, which uh, often refers to, you know, a tradie, double cab ute, um, uh, driving, trying to drive around Auckland, maybe a couple of kids back and forth from schools to work to home, that sort of thing. Uh, Or you could call them netball mums. So um, young family, uh, maybe some kids going to netball on the weekends, and um, that's one way to describe uh, who you're targeting. So one of the concerns for the National Party and the pollsters following National is that Christopher Luxon is not particularly popular with floating or swinging voters, according to Various um, ongoing surveys, in particular the Curia Taxpayers Union survey, shows net unfavorability for Luxon and net favorability for Chris Hipkins with this floating voter group. And he has a particular issue uh, in that he is remarkably unpopular with suburban mums and uh, particularly women in their 30s and 40s. So it was somewhat surprising yesterday to hear National double down on the idea of making people pay the $5 prescription fee, and in particular, making them pay for contraceptives. This happened at the same time that Simon O'Connor, who is a conservative, um, uh, religiously conservative MP from Auckland, quite close to Christopher Luxon and um Physical terms, uh, an electorate quite close to Botany, which um, in which last a couple of nights ago in Parliament he made a point of saying he believed families needed a mother and a father, which um, which Labor MPs have targeted as homophobic. Uh, um, O'Connor has denied this, and National has denied it, but these sorts of um, Uh, signals if you like or attempts to paint one party or the other um, are going to go on and uh, there's a risk here for Christopher Luxon that he continues to be seen or at least painted as an extremist, as a Christian fundamentalist who lets others in his party say extreme things and who doesn't seem to have the interests of netball mums at heart. So this will be uh, one to watch and it's uh, it's a continuing nagging concern for those who are centrists and want to see a change of government because unless you've got a popular leader in that, that netball mum segment and John Key was in 2008, then you can struggle. Separately, um, I point out to you a little story that um, has come out of Hastings in the last day or so. Uh, a Kangaora development, so not being done by Kangaora, done by a private developer for on sale to Ora, uh, was proposed for two suburban sections uh, in a part of Hastings called Ada Street. There were going to be uh, ten dwellings on this uh, these current two sections. There was a protest, an, an anti densification protest, that cropped up a couple of weeks ago. A big public meeting. The proposal has gone, of course, true to the council because a resource consent is required or at least some sort of approval. And according to the report from Marty Sharp via Stuff, it uh, looks like this proposal has been killed. Uh, have a have a look at that. Um, this comes, so this is the need for 10 new social homes in Hastings. There are 696 households registered as homeless in Uh, Hastings, this is treble the level of five years ago and it includes uh, nearly 200 uh, families who need uh, three, four bedroom homes, so large families. These are the sorts of homes that would have been built and are now not being built because of the anti-densification protests. I'm Bernard Hickey, that was uh, my daily email for June the 1st for the Kaka for paying subscribers at the Kaka and if you're listening to this as a free subscriber um, great um, to be with you um, but if you want to help support the sort of public, publicly available journalism I do on housing affordability climate change and uh, um, poverty reduction uh, then come on board as a full paying subscriber and you'll be able to comment and get involved in the chat sessions that I host uh, at Substack. Kakite